0: Today on Blue Fifty Eight, the Pittsburgh Steelers are reeling at one and two and come to Green Bay with a lot of question marks. Will any answer they can offer be enough to overcome the Packers? Blue fifty eight Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue Fifty Eight, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I am your host, John Meerdick, very happy to be with you here for another preview episode, already week four. Let's dive right in. Been thinking about Mike McCarthy today. Been a while since I thought about Mike McCarthy, but today I find myself thinking about the old lovable goofball that was the Green Bay Packers coach for some good times, some middling times, and some bad times. Without dwelling too much about what he did on the field and his shortcomings or even strengths as a coach, one thing that he always said that I liked was his thing that he was on about uncommon opponents. Whenever the Packers were playing somebody If they hadn't played in a while, you could guarantee that Mike McCarthy would say sometime during the week leading up to the game that we've got an uncommon opponent this week. Can't even mimic his his delivery, but you know, the old McCarthy cadence always sound like you're, you know, just having just swallowed a big bite of a meatball sub. Well, you know, quite frankly, football team, stuff like that. But uncommon opponents stuck with me because I feel like it's a thing. We talk about analytics a lot on this show and just in NFL coverage in general now, everything's quantified, everything is typified, everything is measured in some way, shape, or form. And something like just playing a team that you don't play all that often is kind of dismissed as irrelevant. And maybe it is, but I kind of feel like it's not. Feel is a thing. A feel for a team, familiarity with a team, how they operate, who they've got on their team matters. And it's hard to get a feel for somebody you only play every four years. And on top of that, playing the Steelers this week, how do you get a feel for a team that you really haven't played in what amounts to a serious game in more than a decade? Because it's been a while since the Packers and Steelers have really played each other at strength. Let's rewind the clock. Four years ago, the Packers and Steelers played late in the season. But Aaron Rodgers was out with a broken collarbone, and the Steelers won 31 28. Packers were surprisingly competitive. We'll talk about that in a couple minutes here. In 2013, Aaron Rodgers also had a broken collarbone, and the Steelers came into Green Bay and won 38 31. High scoring game, 21 points for the Steelers in the third quarter, and the Packers just can't get it done. In 2010, really technically 2011, the Packers played the Steelers in the Super Bowl. You know how that went. Then in 2009, The Packers played the Steelers in Pittsburgh, and the Steelers pulled out a thriller, scoring on the very last play. But as you can see there, it's been a while since the Packers have played the Steelers when they can give the Steelers their best shot. But now, the roles may be reversed. As we head into week four of the 2021 season, the Packers are the contenders, and the Steelers are the ones hamstring by quarterback problems but it's not because Ben Roethlisberger isn't playing. It's because Ben Roethlisberger has very quickly become way too old. Or if he was already way too old, he has very quickly decided that playing this season was a bad idea. If both sides play how they're expected to, this one may be a bit of a laugher, but you never know. Things can make some interesting turns over the course of a game over the course of a week, and depending on who's available for the Steelers, uh, they may be able to offer a little bit more of a fight than we anticipate. Let's talk about the Steelers then. Overall, who are the Steelers? Classically, and we're talking like 30 years ago now, they've been a hard-running, hard-nosed defensive franchise, but they're not that anymore, and they haven't been that in a long time. Even when Le'Veon Bell was at the peak of his powers in Pittsburgh, He was more of a receiver than just a pure runner, and he certainly wasn't a Jerome Bettis hard-hitting downhill runner. Their offense has been Ben Roethlisberger throwing the football for some time, quite some time, and it seems like that's what they're trying to be again this year, or maybe they're being forced to try to be that again this year because they're really banged up on defense and they've had to throw to get back into games this year. So far this year, the Steelers, though, are winning their close games. They squeaked out a seven-point win over the Buffalo Bills in Week 1, putting them at 1-0 and when they are within a touchdown. You will see the immediate problem there, because the Steelers come into this game at 1-2. and Do the math there. 1-0 and when they're within a touchdown, 0-2 the rest of the games. That means they're getting handled pretty frequently when they can't manage to keep it close and pull it out. But that is exactly where the Steelers should be by expected win-loss. That stat, based on uh, point differential and the number of points you're putting up week in week out, uh, they should be one and two by expected win and loss. No fractional wins, no fractional losses for them. They are, should be exactly one and two, and that's exactly what they are. Let's start with their offense as we try to dissect a little bit more about what this team actually is. Starting with the quarterback. That quarterback, of course, is Ben Roethlisberger. Year eighteen, not really going to plan. For Mr. Roethlisberger, he's completing 63.8% of his passes, the eighth lowest total of his career. His adjusted net yards per attempt are 5.21 through three weeks. That is the third worst number of his career. His quarterback rating, total quarterback rating, uh, the ESPN stat, not the passer rating stat, is 35.5. That is the second worst of any season where that stat existed. Now, some people will say that this is because he doesn't have time to throw because the Steelers have a bad offensive line, and they have kind of a point. The Steelers aren't great on the offensive line, but there is a big but there too. Quoting this stat from Jacob Morley of Packer Report, he notes that Ben Roethlisberger has the highest percentage of dropbacks with no pressure of any quarterback in the NFL. Almost 75% of his dropbacks, he faces no pressure at all. That's pretty wild. However, Ben Roethlisberger ranks 29th out of all quarterbacks in the league in completion percentage when not pressured. So, when Ben Roethlisberger is not pressured by the opposing pass rush, which is most of the time, apparently, he is just not getting the ball to receivers in an accurate way. And it's not because they don't have good receivers. So, what's the deal with Ben Roethlisberger? The short answer is, I don't know. The long answer is, it just kind of looks like he doesn't want to be here anymore. Let's not play body language police too much. But you ever go to a party where you realize after you got there, that you didn't actually want to go to the party? I haven't had that experience. I never want to go to parties. But if I did, and I got to one, and then I realized that I didn't want to be there once I had gotten there, I think it would look a lot like how Ben Roethlisberger looks in 2021. He looks disengaged, he looks like he's just making it up as it goes along. As he goes along, and you really have to look no further than a late game play against the Cincinnati Bengals last year. Uh, the, the last week, excuse me. The Steelers were trailing late in that game, had a fourth and ten deep in Bengals territory, and almost immediately after the snap, Ben Roethlisberger looked to check the ball down, well short of the first down marker. Running back had no chance. He was immediately swarmed by Bengals defenders. That's it. Game over. Steelers lose. Bengals take over. I think they ultimately scored after that, actually. Maybe they didn't. It's not really the point. Uh, The point is that Ben Roethlisberger looks like he has decided already that coming back for 2021 was not a good idea. And the Steelers may be in a position where they are forced to make a change at quarterback sooner rather than later. I don't expect that it'll be this week, but that has to be a conversation they have here in the relatively near future. Were the Steelers strong? I would say their offensive playmakers are pretty good. Wide receiver in particular with a caveat this week. Chase Claypool is their leading receiver. Big-bodied dude. He was one of my favorite members of the 2020 draft class. Would have been one of the guys I would have considered at 30 had the Packers stayed put there. We know how that worked out. We don't have to go into that part of it. But Claypool has been good since then. He's been pretty good so far this year. 14.1 yards per catch on 15 catches in 2021. However, he is limited this week with a hamstring injury. That's okay because the Steelers still have Juju Smith-Schuster as well. Now he's not quite as hot as he once was. He's only averaging 9.1 yards per catch this year. He did have 97 catches last year and I've got to think Ben Roethlisberger's decline has something to do with that. He too though is limited with a rib injury this week. See where this is going? Steelers do have some weapons there but they've got a quarterback who's not playing well and their weapons also a little bit banged up. So then where are the Steelers vulnerable? Well, They do not run the ball particularly well, which is a bit of a problem for a team that spent its first round draft pick this spring on a running back. As we know, running backs don't really make their offensive line all that much better. It tends to be the other way around, which seems like they're putting the cart before the horse there a little bit when they try to fix their running back position before fixing their offensive line. That's their problem, though, not our problem. Because the overall point is that the Steelers, despite their best efforts, and those efforts not being very good, do not run the ball very well. They are 29th by DVOA through three weeks. Part of that is game situation. The Steelers have been behind a whole bunch, and you don't run the ball a whole bunch when you are behind. But I think if the Packers can stop their already weak running game again, they can force Ben Roethlisberger to throw, try to get them back into the game, and based on what we've seen from Ben Roethlisberger so far in 2021, that is probably a good thing for the Packers. Who should we know about on defense? Let's talk about Pat Fryermuth, six foot five, two hundred fifty-eight pound rookie tight end out of Penn State. He's got eight catches for eighty-two yards and a touchdown so far in 2021. I'm not particularly scared of him, but the Packers aren't just tight end killers. And if you've got a struggling quarterback with a bunch of dinged-up other offensive weapons, identifying his security blanket is probably not a bad idea. And if I was looking for a place to go with the ball this week, and I'm Ben Roethlisberger. Very tall, tight end might not be a bad idea. Let's flip over to defense. Where are the Steelers strong on defense? So far, in an exact mirror image of their offense, it's been against the run. They are sixth by DVOA against the run. They've got some studs up front, including Cameron Hayward, who we'll talk about here in a second. Game situation does help here a little bit. But you also have to think about uh, how often other teams are trying to run against the Steelers because they're ahead. In week one, things were pretty neutral. In week two and three, Steelers trailed a lot, so other teams did try to run a lot, but it wasn't necessarily effective. However, there are some other issues that the Steelers have dealt with through the first couple of weeks too, some injuries to their top pass rushers in particular that may have made passing a little bit more palatable if you're an opposing offense, uh, no matter how well you're running the ball, because ultimately running is still less efficient than passing. So you might as well take your chances even if you're ahead. As far as vulnerability, I would say pass defense, though, with a a caveat, much like uh, their strengths on offense, if we're looking at receivers as a strength, but they've got injuries, we've got to say kind of the same thing about the Steelers' pass rush so far, or the pass defense in general. They are 23rd by DVOA, small sample size to be sure, but uh, another part of that is injury stuff. TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith, two of their top pass rushers, have been limited so far this year by injury. Watt was a full participant in practice this week today in particular. So that could help them as they make their way back. He's got a groin injury, though. Those are always a little bit iffy. Even if he was a full participant today, that doesn't mean necessarily much for uh, for Sunday. Uh, Highsmith was still limited. Uh, so even if their pass rushers, even if one of those two pass rushers is back and slightly healthier, you still have to think they're not going to be as effective as they'd like to be. But if they are, if their pass rush is healthier and more effective, they'll probably be slightly better against the pass too. So take that weakness with a bit of a grain of salt. Who should we know about? We're going to throw Melvin Ingram your way as a name to watch. If your number three pass rusher, even nominally, is Melvin Ingram, I think you're in pretty good shape. He's in his tenth season, first away from the Chargers, first in San Diego, then in Los Angeles. Through three games, he's got one sack and two tackles for loss. Not too shabby. More of a rotational guy at this point in his career, but still very productive for a long time with the Chargers, now brings his game to Pittsburgh. We are far enough into the year but I th- that I think it's worthwhile to start talking about uh, ball hawks and production ratio. We talked about ball hawks on the uh, Wednesday episode of the show as one of the stats that we track for defenses. I figure it's worth a look for um, for opposing teams as well to see who's making plays on the ball. Generally, the Steelers have been driven in terms of plays on the ball by their defensive front right now. They've got eight players who have two or more ball hawks through three weeks, but only three are defensive backs. James Pierre, Cameron Sutton, and Terrell Edmonds. Cameron Hayward, though, is the big real stud here. He's got five ball hawks, and he's doing it just about every way. It's not like he's just piling up a bunch of sacks and getting them that way. He's got sacks. He's got passes defensed. He's got a fumble forced, doing it all at the definition of a playmaker. As far as production ratio, just a quick refresher. This is a, a measure of tackles for loss and sacks per game. Generally speaking, a number above one means you're doing a pretty good job. So the ratio of sacks and tackles for loss per game should be one or better. And right now through three games, the Steelers have four players with a PR of one or more. TJ Watt, uh, Ingram, who we mentioned, Cameron Hayward, and Terrell Edmonds, the safety. He's got three tackles for loss through three games. It's pretty impressive. Uh, Tells you he's probably playing around the line of scrimmage quite a bit. This is early, so rate stats are a little bit funky, but it's worth considering and worth noting that the, the Steelers are, are productive in their defensive front here, even early in the season, and it's a marked contrast to the Packers because they've got nobody even above a, a .5 so far this year, so I think it's noteworthy that the Steelers have been able to produce to this level. Last time the Packers and Steelers played was all the way back in 2017 in Pittsburgh during what I would argue is the worst of the rodgers list swoon that year. The Packers had just been shut out by the Ravens the week prior. Now they head to to Pittsburgh to take on the Steelers on Sunday night football. Early on, the Packers played them surprisingly tough. In fact, throughout the game, the Packers played them pretty tough. Probably the best start of Brett Hundley's time with the Packers. He finished 17 of 26 for 245 yards and three touchdowns. The Packers led 28-14 late in the third quarter. When Mike McCarthy sent Mason Crosby out for a 57 yard field goal. Now, the Steelers stadium is notoriously difficult for long range kicking. Crosby missed. The Steelers went down and scored to make it 21 apiece. They traded a couple drives there. Then the Steelers scored midway through the fourth to go up 28 21. No worries. We've got clutch Brett Hundley here, who drove the Packers down and tied the game with two minutes to go. However, Ben Roethlisberger, pre serious decline, was able to drive the Steelers down, working a solid two minute drill. For a field goal after that, as time expired, and the Steelers won, thirty-one to twenty-eight. This week, though, I don't think that will be the case. I think the Steelers do not look like an NFL team right now, and I think the Packers have figured out what gave them problems in Week One. In fact, the further we go along, the more Week One looks like a serious outlier. Took the Packers a little while to get things sorted in Week Two, but after the uh, throughout the second half of that game, I thought they looked pretty much like themselves. Week Three was even better. Now they get to place, uh, face a flawed team in Lambeau Field with a lame duck quarterback and nothing else really going for them. Maybe they'll get T.J. Watt back. Maybe they won't. But still, that looks like a game that tilts pretty heavily towards the Packers. Right now, the line is 6.5. I think the Packers cover that quite handling. Packers on top, 30-20. to 20. A lot of people agree with me, too. Ninety-five point ten 95.2% of voters in our poll this week thought the Packers would win. That is a significant change from the week prior. For the first time in the history of our polls, the Packers Packers voters, Packers fans, predicted a loss against the 49ers. That's incredible. Never happened before. But in general, people are feeling better about the Packers. People are even feeling better about Joe Barry. His approval rating has skyrocketed to a career-high 11.4%. Good on you, Joe. People... In general, are still feeling pretty unsure about the Packers' defense, though. Sixty-four, or sixty-eight point four percent of voters think pretty neutrally about the Packers' defense. That is the highest total in that category so far this year. People with a neutral opinion on the Packers' defense. Brian Gutekunst also has a season-high approval rating at seventy-seven point four percent right now. He opened last sea or opened the season, not last season, at seventy-seven point two percent. One last thought I'll leave you with today. He's been limited this week with a hamstring injury, and it's looking more and more like he's not going to play, but I think getting Marquez Valdez Scantling back into the groove on offense is just so huge for the Packers, and I'm really rooting for him to get excited. First, watching his growth throughout his career has been really rewarding, and I hope that he can parlay whatever he does this season into a big contract either in Green Bay or somewhere else, because I'm rooting for him. I hope he does really well, but On top of that, he is a really unique player for the Packers. He's the only one of his kind. He's the only legitimate deep threat the Packers have that is just pure speed. Devontae Adams can get deep if you scheme him open, and he schemes himself open well enough with his route-running abilities. Alan Lazard can do the same thing. Once he gets chugging in a straight line, it's hard to keep up with him. Big, long strider. Sure, we all understand that, but MVS is a class unto himself. The speed that he has, the ability to crank up that speed at a ridiculous rate, he is the only player who can do that on the Packers roster. In theory, Malik Taylor can, but we haven't seen it from him. The Packers have to get him healthy. If he's healthy this week, good, great. But if they need to hold him out this week, I am all for that as long as they get him back healthy at some point this season because the Packers need a player like Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and that is something that we really haven't said all that much in his career so far. That's all I've got for you so far this week, because we'll be back on Sunday with a, a recap breakdown of the Packers' win, hopefully, over the Steelers. In the meantime, if you enjoyed this show, if you think other people would enjoy it as well, do me a favor and share it. It's going to get more people involved in the conversation we're having about the Green Bay Packers, and ultimately help all of us, me included, become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink, we'll see you next time on Blue 58.